Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 425. What is it like to go on a cruise in places other than North America? Today, I've got a look at what it's like to go on cruises in the UK, up next. Cruising has returned in many places around the world, not just North America and other places like Europe and the UK slash England. And today, I've got a very good friend joining us on the podcast to talk about what it's like to go on a cruise in England. And that is Emma from Emma Cruises, which you can find on YouTube and Facebook and all over. Emma, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you. It's nice to talk to you. It's A lot has happened since we last spoke, I think. <laughs> yes, quite a bit, actually. And uh, it's it's funny enough, I was doing a YouTube Live and we had a couple different people who were like, you have to have Emma come on and talk about mm-hmm. cruises. And I was like, listen, I can bring Emma on for just about anything. We could probably just talk about what we're having for dinner tonight. And it's always fun. Uh-huh. Uh, such a fun person, knowledgeable. And uh, you've got on a number of cruises, though. And I thought this might be a good opportunity because you've got on a couple different cruises out of the UK. And UK cruising is certainly different than here in North America. You've got different rules, different protocols and whatnot. So today I wanted to talk about this. So let's start off with something really basic, Emma. How many ships have you been on so far this summer? So I've done five, I think, five this summer. Started on the first sailing from the UK, and I've d- I've done a couple since then. The good thing for me is that they're mostly short short cruises, so I can do a couple of short cruises instead of doing what I would normally do, maybe a week or, or two, somewhere more exotic. But it's been good. It has been fun. I remember the ordeal, I guess is the right word, that you went through leading up to it, because just like us here in the United States, There was the will they or won't they? Will the cruises actually Mm -hmm. happen? There was a lot of that. And for you, Emma, it was also you had an additional level of concern with the whole vaccine status because in the UK, talk to us a little bit about what you had to do in order to get vaccinated. It's different. In the United States, we just kind of sat around and waited for an opportunity to book an appointment. But for you, you had to work for it. Well, I could have waited around for it. But the thing is, is I'm in my 20s and I would have been quite far down the priority list. So I did about just over six months of volunteering, not just so that I could get my vaccine early, but it definitely did help because they want their volunteers to be vaccinated. And I was vaccinated maybe three months ahead of what I I should have been based on my age, which meant that I could do the first sailings in May. Um, Otherwise, I probably would have had to wait until later in, in summer. And it was good. It was nice for me because I've been working from home throughout this whole pandemic so to be able to go and talk to people outside was quite nice um here it was you know everyone pretty much wanted the vaccine we we could you couldn't book an appointment um so that was my way of kind of giving six months of my time back and i could go on cruises sooner so yeah it worked out all around it was nice and you also got to help some people out which is also a nice side benefit to that doing that as well right yeah, it was it was really nice, especially, you know, because I had been at home by myself for so long to just, you know, I would do things like um, I would guard the car park and tell people where they could park or I would be on the front door asking people, you know, do you have a cough? Things like that. But it was quite nice. And all the other volunteers were really nice. So, yeah, just just I think just over six months of that. And I just stopped because we were pretty much done and they were winding it down. So. Yeah, makes sense. And of course, you got a chance to go on a couple different cruises. Which uh, which lines have you been on? Let's uh, let's list them out here. Uh huh. So I started with the the very first sailing for MSC, which was very exciting because it was the first cruise out of the UK for any cruise line. Everyone was looking at it, and that went that went brilliantly. I've also done a celebrity cruise, a princess cruise, 
a Virgin cruise, which I don't think anybody thought that I would be booking a Virgin cruise, but I did book a weekend on Scarlet Lady and I have just done a Disney cruise. A few of those ones, like the MSC one and the Virgin one, they they literally went nowhere. They were cruises to nowhere. We can do that in the UK. So it was basically just sea days. The good thing about that, though, is we can go where it's the best weather. We don't always have the best weather, but if you have no schedule, they follow around the sun as best they can. Um, the Princess and the Celebrity Cruises I did had ports and we went to places um, and did kind of things around the UK, which was actually quite nice to do that. Yeah, the, and this is something also that's kind of different is your cruises, unlike traditionally, if you're going on a cruise out of England, you would probably mm-hmm. sail somewhere else. You would sail to yeah. Portugal or you sail to Norway or, or where else. But the government, your government restricted it to just seacations uh, around the United Kingdom. Is that correct? Yeah, basically, um, for the summer season, they thought it would be easier. There's no, there's no reason why we can't go around the UK. We could drive to those places, so there's no reason we can't go to them on cruise ships. Of course. And I think they just thought, you know, this is a, a safe bet. Everybody wants to cruise. They sold out so fast, and now we're starting to see uh, more, more, and more foreign ports. They do normally do British Isles cruises, but it will normally be, you know, two cruise lines do it per year. Whereas this year we've had. Almost every cruise, almost, I think, apart from we never got a Norwegian ship and we never got a carnival ship. But apart from that, we had every cruise line send us a ship to go round around the UK. That's fantastic. And, you know, ordinarily, that would be an itinerary that I think even you, Emma, would say, I'm not going to, why would I cruise to, to you know, uh, I don't know, insert, I can't think of cities that are on the coast. But you know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't be that yeah. enticing. But given the circumstances, a year plus without cruises, this is an opportunity. What were When you talk to people on board the ship, was that also their sentiment? A cruise is better than no cruise? Yeah, I think once you've been at home for so long, even if you go to somewhere, you know, I'm from the South Coast, me just going to a, con- a place that's up north was really exciting. <laughs> um, I did do a British Isles cruise in 2018, but it was almost entirely Americans and Australians on board. Mm. So it was strange for me to do it this time because obviously everyone else is British, but everyone's just so just so excited and, you know, just just eating out. We haven't eaten out for a year. So just having your food, even just that. <laughs> Some people never got off the ship because they, they don't really want to. That's not really the point. It was just to get back on a cruise. And they, they, they were really good cruises, yeah. Good. Talk, talk to us about the requirements, the COVID-19 protocols, vaccine requirements and mm-hmm. whatnot uh, across the lines. What are you seeing as the basic requirements for any of these cruises you've gone on? So it has changed a bit recently. Um almost all of them you have to be vaccinated that's just the rule we just thought that that we never questioned it we just went on these cruises and that was fine um the only cruise line that i've been on that was different was the virgin cruise you had to be vaccinated but you didn't have to wear masks on board for every other cruise line we're still wearing masks when we're kind of wandering around the ship and taking them off to eat eat and drink and we're just used to that because that's pretty much what we do on land so we just carry on doing it on a cruise and and that's fine but yeah almost all cruise lines you have to be fully vaccinated some some allow children we're not really vaccinating our children here yet so they just have to have a negative test Mask wearing, social distancing, they're all at reduced capacity, mostly around half. And it's nice. It's nice to have a ship that's only half full. I think it's going to be a shock when we go back to um, full capacity. I I agree 100%. I mean, we've been dealing with 30, 40% capacity around here. Mm -hmm. And I think that even if you were up to 60%, 
it would almost it, it's going to be an adjustment again because it's been so nice yeah. without it but it'll be fine um for <laughs> when you went on disney the kids were allowed unvaccinated children were allowed as an example yeah they just had to do an extra test so everybody has a test at the port but okay. they also had to do one within i think three days before just as a an extra check when when you do your test before the cruise you're doing it at the port and is that at your cost or does the cruise line cover it so there's no cruise lines that I know of here that make us pay for the tests ever. Okay. Some of them, you will do them at the port and sometimes you'll book them kind of online before and you'll do it within a few days. So my celebrity cruise, I had to book one and go and do it within three days, a, a proper PCR test. Yep. And the other ones, you just get to the port, like the Disney cruise for me, get to the port, do the test, wait for 20 minutes and, and get on the ship. That sounds a lot like what we're here, what we're doing in the U.S. with Celebrity being a Royal Caribbean group line. Mm -hmm. It's up to you to get your test done on your own, bring the result over there. And then Disney, I think, is also doing the same thing here in the U.S. where they do the test at the terminal uh, as an yeah. option as well. And I was going to ask you, you mentioned, you kind of alluded to this fact, you know, going back from your first cruise on MSC at the very start of the summer versus mm -hmm. now, let's use your Disney cruise as an example you just came back from. You know, yeah. what are some changes that you're seeing in protocols now? Because, of course, Delta variant, variety of other things. Mm -hmm. So the MSC cruise I took was, it was, it was really quite strict as in if you accidentally got up from your seat without your mask, the, the crew would be there straight away, put your mask on, get back. And it would be, you know, there would be in every bar, there will be seats kind of cordoned off, don't sit here, really making sure that everybody kind of kept their distance. Now, because there is reduced capacity, you're still kind of keeping distance from everybody, but there isn't that, um, the the force kind of don't sit on this chair that we that we used to see um but it, 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 it i think we're just gonna have to build back up to normal at some point and slowly introduce more and more people and it, it will work itself out i think absolutely so the uk cruise season is winding down now is that accurate mm -hmm. yeah so um the original plan kind of start of the year was the summer season we will go around the UK for the summer. Hopefully it will be sunny. And the idea of kind of doing British Isles cruises in, in kind of November and December, um, most people don't really want to do that. It rains a lot here. It's We have really short days and it's just grey and it's it's not really ideal. But now we're in, we're including more foreign ports. Hmm. So my next cruise that I'm going on next week is, is from Spain. And we can do that now. All we have to do oh. is a test before we go, a test when we come back. And I think we're going to see more and more people heading to the Mediterranean because yeah. that's that's quite easy and quite hopefully warm for us. Sure. Of all the lines you've been on, which line really stands out to you as one that you think has done? I think they've all done a good job. This isn't to say that you know anyone's doing a bad job mm -hmm. by any means. But mm -hmm. is there a line that really stands out to you as like when I went on that cruise, I, I don't know that you feel especially safer, but – you know, they really seem to have a good handle and good grasp on what they're doing in terms of protocols and their approach to cruising in 2021. Yeah, um, I think they've all been good, as you say. There's none There's none where I've ever felt unsafe. I think that the Princess Cruise I took was helped a lot by all of their technology. Everything is very um, advanced in terms of you, you don't have to you've got the kind of ocean medallion wearable technology installed everywhere. So you don't have to touch things. The doors, open, you know, they open, you can order drinks to you. So you don't have to stand at the bar. And I think that really helped them. Not that princess planned for this, sure. but they kind of, they're in a good position, I think. Um, so it was really, really easy on there. And I, I love all of the tech. If I can, if I can, you know, order a drink to me and it will find me, 
I absolutely love that. It's great. Is there uh, is there something that you miss still that hasn't come back yet? As an example, on Royal Caribbean, they haven't brought back the dinner buffet. It's not available as an option, which I didn't think was a big deal until you get like when you go to cruise port and you're busy and you do the whole full day and you get back on the ship. And this is in the Caribbean, obviously. You're hot and you're sweaty. And like the last thing you want to do is like, oh, I don't really don't feel like putting on like yeah. evening wear to go out for dinner. It'd be much easier to go to the buffet. So that's something I miss. Is there something that you miss still because of the COVID protocols that aren't there? I don't think so. Um, I haven't been on any cruise lines where they haven't had the buffet, though. And I think I would be exactly the same as you. And I would definitely miss that. Um, I've kind of found that, you know, the same entertainment is on. Things are slightly different, but I've never kind of wanted to go somewhere and found that I couldn't because of, of COVID. And it tends to be, you know, really small things that you wouldn't even realize were to do with COVID, like the Disney cruise I took. Um, you weren't allowed like snacks and drinks in the theater, sure. things like that, that they, they say it's because of COVID. I don't know why, yep. um, but it, it doesn't affect my cruise experience in, in any kind of bad way. Talk to us about the makeup of the guests on board. You alluded to it earlier, how usually UK cruises are all Americans and, and Aussies, mm -hmm. but now is it like a hundred percent Brits? Is it like, are you seeing people from other countries? Well, for this summer season, you only you had to be British to come on these cruises. They wouldn't let anybody else in or anybody else on these cruises just because, you know, it's so much easier for them if, you know, they can control who they've got on there. Sure. Even now, a lot of the winter season, um, at least cruises from the UK, you still have to be from, from the UK. I will say I think the average age on these cruises has been younger mm. than it would have been a few years ago. Um, there's more people kind of in their 20s and 30s and, you know, especially the British Isles cruises, they tended to attract kind of older crowd before, but sure. now it, it seems younger. Um, quite a few of the cruise lines, you know, wouldn't allow kids on. So the ones that do like MSC and Disney have a lot of children on them, I feel like. Um, but it's been, it's been a good, a good range from, you know, people in their nineties all the way down to babies. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, all right, but talk to us about first time cruises. I remember I was on, adventure of the seas when they first restarted and there were first time cruises around there and i was i was utterly shocked because i was like mm -hmm. i wanted to say what are you doing here like you know you see you would think they would be the last person to want to go on a cruise but we actually i saw a lot of first time crews especially now there's a lot more even than in the earlier in the summer are you seeing that same uh, experience in the uk yeah i can't remember if it was it may have been my princess cruise. I can't remember. But one of the cruises I was on, um, they said that they had their highest ever percentage of first-time cruises wow. on, on this cruise. And I think a lot of that is to do with, you know, we've been here in, in the UK for such a long time. And to just stay for a week, people do their staycations on land. It's so expensive because everybody is here. Yep. So I think people are looking at the price of a cruise, which is maybe the same as a hotel on land and you've got your food, and you've got your entertainment, and you have your drinks, and people just think, you know, why not? Everything yep. on land is so full up and booked up <laughs> so far in advance. I think maybe some people have just tried it just because, you know, why not? Yep. So it's been, it's been good, yeah. So Emma, your reputation precedes you here, and uh, the I gotta ask you about Virgin Voyages, because if mm -hmm. you follow Emma's channel before the pandemic, <laughs> Emma had a great video about Virgin Voyages. She went on a very small tasting of the ship and has some interesting takes on it. And I got a lot of people like, huh? Cause of course it's a brand new cruise line and you went on it again. And I can tell you, I'm not setting Emma up here badly because I've seen the video. I, I watch all of her stuff and the, uh, you know, I, I say, but what's your take on Virgin Voyages now that you've done it again and, uh, mm -hmm. kind of had a more holistic look at the experience 
talk to some people who are interested in this because it's just it's the new it's the new kid on the block. It's got so much such attention to it that it's just hard to ignore. Yeah, so I originally was on um, for like a media preview sailing at the start of 2020, right before everything shut down. And there were quite a lot of things that I didn't I didn't like about the ship. And the prices that Virgin were planning on charging were very, very expensive. And I was very confused by the product who would pay that much for the, for that thing. I have to say their prices have halved maybe since oh. they originally launched. And I have done, I recently talked to someone from Virgin who admitted that they weren't ready to launch when they launched. They probably shouldn't have shown it when they did um, because quite a few of the things that I found uh, are fixed now because they've actually finished the ship, which, you know, they shouldn't really have um, shown it to us. And I feel like when I was originally on board, it was all about the drag queens. It was all about how different they were to the other cruise lines, about the tattoo parlors, things like that. And when I was on my Virgin cruise you know, I would be eating in a restaurant, all the restaurants are included, um, your soft drinks are included. And I think this is, this is good. Why did no one mention this? No one kind of sold the things that were actually good about this cruise line. And when I originally went on, I said, you know, if it was the same price as Royal Caribbean as Norwegian, I would view it as kind of a quirky, quirky alternative to the mainstream cruise lines. And now that they're the same price as the mainstream cruise lines, I, I definitely think that they're a quirky alternative there's some things I just I still don't understand, but there's a lot of things that I I like about it, and it it's just it's just slightly different. It's it's not this dramatic different cruise that I think they tried to tell us that it would be. If you like a Royal Caribbean cruise, if you like a you know mainstream cruise line, it's not so out there that yep. that you won't like a Virgin cruise. I thought there was a really good uh, story slash comment from uh, Richard Fain, who's the CEO of Royal Caribbean Group, and he was asked about Virgin Voyages. You're worried about the competition. And he said last mm-hmm. week, you know, he's not worried at all. It's actually a good thing to have competition like this. The, first of all, it's not competition. You, I think you nailed it, Emma, when you said the competition for cruise lines is not individual cruise lines. It is hotels. It is resorts. Mm-hmm. It is theme parks. That's what competes. But another cruise line coming into the market, and certainly Virgin, with everything that Virgin brings behind it with uh, Richard Branson and all that, that's actually good for the industry because it brings a lot more attention eyeballs and first-time cruisers to cruising and as you know emma someone tries a cruise ship a particular line be it virgin or otherwise and they say oh there's other lines out there maybe i'll like that as well and so inevitably it, it's a benefit it's a boon to the industry rather than like oh no this is bad for you know ncl or, or any cruise line for that matter so good stuff there uh one last question for you emma if somebody, based on your experience now, if someone's going on a UK cruise, and let's assume protocols are going to be similar, who knows how long they'll last and all that. But if you're going to go on a UK cruise, based on your experience this summer, what are some, maybe you have like two or three tips you want to share with our, our listeners about going on a UK cruise, especially when that goes, sails around, um, you know, the UK? Yeah. So if you're doing a UK cruise, most of the places you go to, you can just wander off and you're right in the city there. It's not, you know, it's not like in the Caribbean where you have to plan something. You can get off and you can just walk down. It's just a normal, a normal city. You can walk down the streets. You can see anything that you want to see. You don't have to do organized excursions. I have done some this summer, but you, you really don't have to, um, have a quick look at the excursions, work out where everybody else is going and buy your own tickets and go by yourself. I did the, um, the Titanic experience in Belfast where they built the Titanic. My excursion was $99. 
And I had friends who were on board. They got a taxi for uh, £10, about, say, $15. The ticket was about $25. And they had the exact same experience as me, but they just they just bought their own ticket. So if you're doing anything like that, have a look at what you want to do. It's so easy to do everything by yourself. And of course, my, my tip would be, even if you're cruising and we promise you a summer heat wave, bring a, bring a coat, bring an umbrella, um, because we can have you know, glorious sunshine in the morning and torrential rain in, in the evening. So it, it can be great, but just just be aware and, and comfortable shoes because there's a lot of walking to be doing around here. Sure. It sounds like you're basically planning for an Alaska cruise <laughs> or, and, yeah. and, you know, going to the UK. Um, you mentioned everything. the you mentioned the Titanic excursion. Was that your the, your favorite thing you've done on all the tours? Yeah, I quite liked it. Um I think with the Titanic Museum, there's a potential for it to be a bit depressing, don't you think? Because obviously, of course. you know what happened. But they did a really good job of, you know, they started with um, the shipbuilding industry in Belfast and everyone who worked there. And it went through everything with the, the ship and obviously the sinking. And they went through all of the submarines and how it was in movies. And it was quite a nice, you don't come out of it feeling depressed um some people obviously say why would you get off a cruise ship and go to the titanic experience um but i came off the feeling you know you feel proud of you know everyone in belfast who was so proud of this industry i also really enjoyed you know i just went to places like liverpool where i've never been to liverpool before i did uh, like a beatles walking tour nice. something i would never you know i wouldn't just plan to go there because well i normally leave the uk but things like that were really nice um, yeah, I think Belfast is probably probably one of my favorites, though. Nice. Fantastic. Well, of course, you can find lots more of Emma's thoughts on all the cruises she's done on our YouTube channel. It's where I watch everything. She also has a great Facebook group as well, and she's on a variety of platforms. But check it out. Emma Cruises. We'll have a link in the show notes at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Emma, thank you for joining us here on the podcast this week. Thank you very much. This has been fun. Hey, it's time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I dive into the inbox of questions you've sent me and answer them right here on the podcast. If you want to email me your questions, you can always do so by sending it to matt at royalcrambblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcrambblog.com. Our first question today is from Bonnie, who's selling on Harmony of the Seas for the first time, January 2nd, 2022. Hey, Matt, I've really been enjoying your podcast lately. I'm all about cruising all the time. I wanted to say that I heard in an old podcast, someone had complained about your speedy speech, but I love it. I can actually listen to you at one and a half speed. Bring it on. Thank you for the great content and for the family perspective as well. Bonnie, thanks for the email. I get comments all the time about my how fast I talk, usually on YouTube, sometimes on the podcast as well. And essentially, some people find me really hard to understand if I talk the way I talk. It's just the way it is. Honestly, if I try to slow it down, I feel like I'm talking like this. I know it's not quite the case, and I probably could speak at this cadence, and but... I, I just can't do it without physically sitting here and like thinking about the way I speak. It's just the way I speak. But I feel like folks from the Northeast always tell me, no, you sound normal to me, but maybe other people are not used to it. So I apologize. Uh, but I, I, I've tried many times to try to slow it down. It just doesn't work that way. It's just the way I talk. So Bonnie, thank you for the reassurance there. Next email is from uh, Audrey. Writes, hey, Matt. Uh, we love your pod YouTube and podcast. Thank you all for all the information you provide. We're planning on a cruise on a waste of the seas from May 2022. One stop is Coco Key, and we'd like to book a cabana. If the Coco Key stop is dropped by itinerary, will we get a refund or credit? Look forward to future uploads. Yeah. If your cruise ship is unable to visit any port, Coco Key, Cozumel, wherever, and you book your excursion through Royal Caribbean, which, of course, you're 
Coco Key Cabana would be through Royal Caribbean, you absolutely get a refund on that. So no worries at all. You don't do anything special about it to do it automatically. So not to worry. Now, that being said, if they stop there and the weather's not great, that, does, that doesn't count. But no, if they physically cannot dock there, you absolutely get a refund for that. Next, we have an email from Steve who writes, Hey, Matt, I regularly listen to your podcast to find them entertainment entertaining and informative. I'm writing to recap something that happened on my recent cruise on Independence of the Seas. My wife had recent foot surgery and was getting around on a knee scooter and an occasional wheelchair ride. We were booked in a standard balcony and figured it would be sufficient. When we arrived at the room, we discovered that we were incorrect. Getting in and out of the door was nearly impossible, and the step in the bathroom was very difficult. My first action was to think, what would Matt do? And with that, I knew the right action was to talk politely to guest services. Guest services was very understanding as I explained the situation. They promised to call two hours after leaving Doc. True to their word, we received a call immediately after dinner, and they were able to move us to an accessible room down the hall. It made a huge difference on our cruise, and I appreciate all the hard work that went into meeting our request. In case your listeners don't know, an accessible room is designed to work for people that have mobility problems. The doors are wide enough for a wheelchair, and the room is arranged to give enough room to maneuver. The bathroom door does not have a step up, and the shower is rolling with a seat. All of this made it much easier for my wife. Thank you again for all the advice and hard work that goes into your podcast and outstanding website. There's nothing else like it. Steve, thank you for the email. I am so glad to hear that you were able to obviously get a different room right there on the spot. And I'm glad that perhaps something I said helped to guide you in that direction. You know, I, it, I think it also honestly helped you, Steve, that you happen to go on this cruise during the reduced capacity here in 2021. If this had been in 2019, back then, you know, cruise ships pretty much sailed full the whole time. I'm not sure what they could have done for you. But I'm glad to hear that they obviously went ahead and did that. That's fantastic. Always love hearing uh, how helpful the crew can be. And to C's point, if you have an issue, number one, speak up. Don't assume, well, honey, you ain't taking a shower for the next seven days or you know something like that. Like, don't suck it up. Say something politely. You never know what you can get. And in a lot of cases, they really try their best to make it worthwhile. So there you go. Next is an email from Andy. Who writes, Hi, Matt. I have a couple questions regarding your experiences cruising during COVID. My family and I are scheduled to go on a lure of the seas, which leads me to a couple of these questions. Number one, in my past experience selling on Oasis class ship, you could schedule certain entertainment before you set sail in the cruise planner on Royal Caribbean's website. I haven't seen that pop up for the sailing. Is Royal Caribbean doing something differently? Andy, yes, they are. So during cruises right now, and this will, I think this will eventually change back, but for the time being, Andy, if you're going on an Oasis or Quantum class ship, you cannot book entertainment in advance via the cruise planner website it's done on the royal caribbean app once you get on board the ship so andy when you get on board the ship and you're sitting down for lunch do your e-muster and schedule your entertainment that's the way to go about it number two do you know or have you heard if it's possible to get an earlier boarding time by calling royal caribbean as opposed to doing the online check-in we ended up with a 2 p.m check-in not too bad but it will mean we're waiting at the port a couple hours due to the time of our transportation leaves the hotel in orlando for port canaveral Unfortunately not. Uh, the check-in times are staggered specifically to avoid the terminal becoming overcrowded. Uh, this is intentionally done to, again, avoid overcrowding in the terminal. I don't think calling will do anything for you, quite frankly. My only advice, Andy, is check back periodically. People cancel all the time and change all the time. You never know. In fact, sometimes Royal Caribbean has actually changed the added earlier times at some point. So I would check back. I know it's not a great answer but it's your only option. If you're looking to spend some time, waste some time really beforehand, you know, one thing is if your hotel is in Orlando, you might consider doing something else before you leave for the port. The drive to the port from, depending on where you are in Orlando, is probably around the ballpark of about 45 minutes to maybe an hour or so. So, you know, you could go shopping. One of the great things you could do, I know it'll be extra stuff to bring on the cruise with you, but there's the outlets. There's a number of outlets in Orlando that is fun to do. And in the morning when it's not too, too hot out, it actually can become quite nice. There's the international outlets and there's the prime outlets 
Uh, very, very similar experiences in both. They're just two different locations. That could be an option for you to do. If you want to do a little bit of Disney without actually paying for a park, take a visit over to Disney Springs. That's just their shopping district. You can walk around us. You get that kind of Disney feel, but you're not in a theme park and there's no cost to get into Disney Springs. That's also somewhere else you can go. You get brunch there or something like that and then head over to the port. Uh, I think Orlando is your better bet. You could drive over to Port Canaveral, drop off your luggage, and then do something in Port Canaveral. There are, of course, the beaches over there, Cocoa Beach. You could get lunch in Cocoa Beach in, in, in the area over there. There's a number of restaurants. There's actually a couple of restaurants right by the port. Uh, grills and Fish Lips, both available as well. So it kind of depends what you're looking for. But don't assume, Andy, you're out of the hotel room at you know 11. You have to go to the port. You could do other things in between. And certainly Lyft or Uber is a great option for that. Our next email is from Michaela who writes, I just booked a surprise cruise for my husband's birthday next month. I've never booked something so last minute before. Yikes. Anyways, I was booked on Serenade this season out of Tampa. I've done brilliant, so I generally know what we're getting ourselves into. Any tips for Serenade, though? I have not been on Serenade, Michaela, but from what I understand, she's very similar to Brilliant, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Michaela continues, I booked the ultimate dining package. We have always done the drink package, but I'm considering skipping it this time. With it only being four nights, being able to bring two bottles of wine on, plus getting the 40% discount on bottles of wine with the ultimate dining package, I'm considering just going a la carte for drinks. However, I was wondering about booking the drink package in a day or two. I know you never say to buy it on board, but do they give you an option to buy it just for the remaining days, like day two or something? I did that a long time ago on a carnival cruise, and basically we just paid for days three through seven. Wasn't sure if something's available, or is it only done before the cruise or on boarding day? Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, so your question makes a lot of sense. Royal Caribbean has a rule, I'm pretty sure it has not changed, where you have to have at least four days left in your cruise to book it. So you could book it on day one, but if this were a seven-night cruise, yes, you could skip day one and two and then decide to get it later on, and then you get a pro-rated rate. But for your four-night cruise, I think you're kind of it's either day one or bus kind of situation, which really doesn't help you. So, you know, I've always thought this about the drink. I love the drink package, Mikhail. I get it every single time. However, I'm here to tell you also that if you don't have the drink package, you can certainly alter your style, certainly your wine and what you're talking about there. I mean, you get two bottles of wine, even you buy a bottle or two of wine, you're probably still coming out ahead of, of what, you know, you might with the drink package cost. In addition, you could uh, drink in port. I'm assuming since you're, you're probably going to Cozumel, you could go there and you know that's one day it's basically spoken for for drinks it'll cost you a lot less um there, there's an argument to be made for and against the drink package and you don't have to be a giant drinker to make that argument but uh certainly if you wanted to give it a try and also uh, michael i'm not sure if you're which status you are in crown and anchor society if you're diamond or above you get complimentary drinks now which is really compelling which i think would swing it but uh i'm not sure if you're diamond or not uh, Michael says, also, our only port is Cozumel, which I find, which is fine because I like sea days. We always do Nachi, but it's blocked after the day we're going. I tried emailing to see if it's fully booked, and I haven't heard back. Any suggestions for options other than Nachi? Uh, we prefer beach, relaxing beach days, perfectly all-inclusive, not a, but not a deal breaker. Great question. There are two, there are three places I recommend besides Nachi. Uh, Mr. Sancho's is probably your best alternative. Well, not your best. It's an alternative. It's an all-inclusive alternative to, to Nachi. That's located very nearby. Uh, the thing with uh, Mr. Sancho's is the bigger operation, and theoretically, they offer they could include more people there. Since you're cruising Michaela in 2021, I believe you're. I don't think you have to worry too much about it overcrowding, so that'd be an option for you as well. Uh, Paradise Beach is another place I absolutely love. Paradise Beach is not all inclusive; pay as you go, but it's very reasonable prices. And since you're not, if you're not a big drinker, I, I don't know that you would spend nearly as much as you would to get all inclusive. So. Paradise Beach is a great thing. We have reviews of all of these at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And there's one other that I've gone to a couple times. I've not been since COVID, but I used to like going as well to an all-inclusive at the El Cosmolino Hotel. They offer day passes you could purchase there that were all-inclusive. El Cosmolino is on the north side of the island. So you go through downtown and then the other side over there, 
Uh, they had actually a lovely pool area, which I really, really like. I prefer pools over beaches personally. Um, I think if you're looking for a better beach, if the beach is important to you, Michaela, I would probably stick down to Paradise Beach is an absolutely stunning beach. Mr. Sanchez is fine as well. So either of those two should do you fine. Thank you, Michaela, for your email. Our next email is from Andrew, who has a really long <laughs> review here of Independence of the Seas out of Galveston. And he said, by the way, just so you guys know, he said, if you uh, read this on the podcast, feel free to only read the parts you'd like people to find useful. So I'm going to skip down here. He has a really good review. And Andrew, I recommend you post this if you haven't already on the Royal Green blog uh, uh, message boards. But I want to say he had a couple bullet items that I wanted to talk about. Uh, he says, I kept track of some of the comments of things that were different that I don't recall you mentioning already. So here's number one. Pre-purchased beverage packages cups no longer come in your stateroom. They're now redeemed at any bar when they swipe your card and they mark off that you picked yours up. Yeah, that's definitely a change. I remember when I first got on a ship after COVID on Adventure of the Seas in June. And I was like, and I didn't think about it. And someone asked, oh, what's the cup design look like? I'm like, oh, I didn't get one. And they're not giving you the cups. When you buy a drink package before your cruise, pre-COVID, there'd be a cup waiting in your room. It's not there. But as Andrew's pointing out, you just have to ask for it. Number two. There were a lot, there were not a lot of photo backgrounds. On our first formal night, there was only one background and then one on the promenade and one on the stairs. Perhaps that's just something specific to the ship or since it was low capacity. I guess the point is be prepared, especially on those early sailings for there not to be as many options of photos if photos are your thing. That one I have to think about, Andrew. I'm not sure if that is, a, if that was an independence thing or, or something else, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, number three, while I agree with you that sailing with kids is great, there aren't too many options for vacations where you have the option to drop your kids off and they have they have fun and you have fun. That said, if you're on the fence or this is your first time, I would say that maybe now wouldn't be the best time to bring your kids with you. Perhaps book that cruise for just you and your spouse and just have grandma watch the kids or finally do that vacation that you've been putting off because you're always cruising instead. There are a couple of reasons why I say this. First is that you mentioned that Adventure Ocean is currently doing reservations similar to how the nursery operates. We were given day one, seven sessions. And on day three, you could book more. The sessions were at 9.30 to 1130, 2.30 to 4.30, 7.30 to 9.30. They did have a late night option for $7 an hour that did not need to be reserved ahead of time. Luckily on our sailing, we only had 47 kids, which includes teens. So we never had an issue with getting additional times. The second reason is that kids did not have to get three COVID tests. Sorry. Second reason is that kids did have to get three COVID tests to go on this vacation. Luckily, my little guy only had an issue with the first one where I had to hold his head uh, and arms with my hands, but it's a minor inconvenience as you have to take time out of uh, both the first and last days to go do it. And lastly, is that currently there are places kids cannot go. The big one that you can't go to off the ship and just walk around the port and do an excursion on your own. If you combine this with the possibility of limited adventure ocean slots, you might not be able to get off the ship or you might not be able to go to that trivia or music at the schooner bar or dinner reservations at Hibachi. I just want to qualify this by saying we had a great time with our kids. I just want to make sure people are making an informed decision about what type of experience they're going to be going on right now. Um, Andrew, this is a really good feedback. And actually, I'm taking my kids uh, on board a ship this coming weekend. So we're going on Mariner this season. My kids have been on a cruise. We went on back on Adventure in June. But this is our first time with all these new protocols with Delta and all that. And I'm curious how it's going to be. Now, it's a three-night cruise different than seven-night cruise. And I freely admit that. But I'm be having a write-up on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com all about this because it is a different experience if you're unvaccinated, which kids are right now, and how that's all going to work and how that's you know I, I'm 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 equally curious about that. And I would agree with Andrew. I think everything you said there is I mean it's factually correct that there are some limitations there, especially for the kids. You know the the vaccinated only zones. I think the biggest one for us that's going to be an issue is going to be Hibachi. They can't go there. My my oldest daughter loves it. Can't go there. It's vaccinated only. But you know we'll have to wait and see how that all works out. Um, it is a consideration, though, certainly. Because I'll have more on that 
when I get on board. Uh, Andrew also had one other thing in here, which is that um, when we booked the sailing, we had four adjacent balconies, two sets of connecting rooms on Liberty, and we're supposed to go on Cozumel, Grand Cayman, and Jamaica. For unknown reasons, Royal Caribbean swapped out Independence for Liberty a few months back when they announced their big restart plans. What should have been a simple swap became a lot more complicated because, for whatever reason, the new rooms we were assigned were two sets of unconnected balconies on opposite sides of the ship. The whole thing was confusing, as when we were looking at the deck plan, the same room numbers existed with the same connecting rooms on both sides, on both ships, and our reservations were all linked. We were traveling with four younger kids, so the connecting part of the rooms was more important for us than would have been for a bunch of adults. Luckily, we followed your advice and had booked through MEI Travel, and they escalated the issue and eventually we were able to get two sets of connecting balconies, although they were about 10 set rooms apart from each other. We decided we could live with that and considered it part of dealing with the pandemic and just happy our selling wasn't canceled. Well, I'm really glad to hear, Andrew, that MEI Travel took good care of you. Of course, MEI Travel is our sponsor of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, full disclosure, uh, but I'm glad to hear they did, they, they did you good on that one. Next, we have an email from Jenna McAndrew, who writes, hi, Matt, again. Uh, thanks for answering my previous question about NASA. Since you said you were low on questions, I said another. We're writing uh, Anthem of the Season in December. Does Wonderland have a bar that you can sit at and have a drink without ordering food? Unfortunately, not on Anthem of the Seas, Jenna. On Symphony and Harmony of the Seas, the answer is yes, they do. But on Anthem and Quantum and Odyssey and any Quantum class ship, the there is no separate bar you can sit at. So unfortunately, even though they have some really cool drinks at the Wonderland bar, that will not be available to you on Anthem of the Seas. I'm sorry to say that. I mean, could you sit, Could you go to the restaurant if they're not busy and ask them, can I just sit here and have drinks at a table? Maybe they'll let you do that. There's no harm in asking, but uh, they don't have a bar they could easily do that at. And uh, another, next email is from Trisha. Love the podcast. Really miss cruising, but booked on a European cruise next summer. Fingers crossed that we get to go. My question is, what suggestions do you have for traveling with toddlers? My daughter will be turning two on the trip and trying to figure out what must-haves and how excursions will work with her. Great question, Trisha. And, uh, Boy, this is like the kind of question that I probably could take 30 minutes answering. Part of it is, number one, we don't know what the protocols will be for you when you go on your cruise next summer. So I wouldn't delve too much into that side of things. There are going to be considerations involved with it, but we'll have to have that conversation, Trisha, closer to next summer. In the meantime, I'm going to give you some generalizations about traveling with toddlers. And again, I've not done a European cruise, but I think I've traveled enough with my kids for cruises anywhere when that involved flying that the experience is more or less similar. Number one, I would recommend bringing with you a car seat to have on the airplane. That's always helpful to have. It's, again, I don't know how old your kids are. Actually, I do know how old your kids are. You just told me too. Um, that may or may not. Uh, two is a little different, I guess. Take the, I take that back. Don't bring the car seat because I think your two-year-old can sit in the in the in the seat on the airplane totally fine. So don't bring that. My wife and I fight about the stroller issue. You know, the stroller is helpful in certain situations. Europe is really tough because you have, a, especially where you're going in Europe, you can have a lot of old cities with cobblestone. It's just, it, it, it's, you know, it's more cumbersome than helpful. The stroller takes up a ton of room in your in your cabin. My wife would tell you, yes, that's all true, but it's still worthwhile because in certain situations, having it would be more beneficial not having it, not to mention it, then the stroller is holding the child instead of you. Because if you don't have a stroller, then somebody's going to be the mule, right? Who's going to, the pack mule is going to be carrying the baby or the kid, I guess. Um, th there's an argument to be made there as well. Uh, if you are going to get a stroller, I would actually just buy a, a umbrella stroller, buy a cheap one, bring it on the cruise and throw it away before you come back home because you won't need it when you get back home. Do not bring your massive, awesome stroller that you have at home. Again, cumbersome, giant, hard to fit in your room. Those are things that I would do there. Uh, next up, I would say go to the nursery. Take advantage of the nursery. Really and truly get there make reservations. It costs money. It's the best money you ever spent. You know, you love your daughter, obviously, but it's nice to have separation. Let the kid go to the nursery 
hang out, have fun, play, be fed. And that way you can enjoy a nice out dinner, a show. Take advantage of the nursery. I think too many parents say, oh, it costs money. I'm not going to spend the money on it. Trust me when I say take advantage of the nursery. And lastly, take more supplies than you need. I'm not sure if your daughter is potty trained or not. Bring, gosh, at least 25% more diapers than you need. Bring snacks for the room. Uh, you know, like little, those little snacks that they just get to like munch on, whether it's goldfish or toddler snacks. Bring those as well. It's good to have in the room. So there you go, Trisha. Some basic toddler tips uh, for you right there. And our last email this week is coming to us from Heather. Who writes, hey, good morning. Just finished listening to your review of Odyssey of the Seas. Can't wait to get back to sailing again. I wanted to say my family enjoys Slayer and Beach on every cruise. In fact, it is usually our go-to first meal on the ship because hardly anybody has found it and it's not crowded. It's the best kept non-secret place for complimentary dining. I agree, Heather. Now on to my real question. I'm trying to figure out what my mom's points she'll earn for our upcoming cruise will be. It's a four-night cruise in April out of LA on Navigator. She's a solo cruiser and booked a junior suite. She sailed before in Royal Caribbean and is a gold-level cruiser, so she should qualify for double points for Crown and Anchor members. I know in the past, she would get double points for being a solo cruiser, and Junior Suites qualify for double points. Do all these perks add up for her four-night cruise? She'll be getting lots of points. Thanks for all your advice and work. Yes, uh, Heather, she'll be getting six points per night because ordinarily, let's forget double points for a second, she'd be getting three points per night. She's solo in a suite. That's three points per night. Double that, six points per night. So pretty straightforward. Six points per night, so... Six times four. There you go. Heather, thank you so much for your email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. If you have a question you want to ask, feel free to send it in. Uh, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-C-C at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.